You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24 7 recruiting show. I'm Mike Roach, and this week I'm alone once again as Nick is going to be out. Uh, we're back to bring you another big week in Texas recruiting talk. Uh, we're going to talk about new Texas commit Gunner Helm, some of the new developments on the recruiting front, and we're going to be joined by Blair Angulo of 24-7 Sports. He's our Mountains Regional Analyst to break down Texas' newest commit. Uh, we're also going to answer the mailbag, but before we get into that, uh, we do want to remind you guys that uh, we can be found on any podcast platform. Uh, that's Google, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, any of those, uh, Apple iTunes, especially, please go there, uh, give us a five-star review, uh, give us a, a, a rating on the show. If you leave a five-star review with a question, we promise to answer that each and every week. Um, and we'd also like to remind you that there's a lot of other great shows here at the Horns 24-7 Podcast Network. You can listen to The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown, or to The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. All right, well, let's jump right into it. Um, it's been a bit of a busy week for Texas as, as on the recruiting trail. Um, probably the big news last week, uh, I was able to break it Saturday morning after, um, after we had recorded last week's show, was that uh, Keetron Jackson, the, the wide receiver from Royce City, uh, made the trip to Austin on his own for a self-guided tour. Uh, these self-guided tours are kind of becoming uh, the rage during Corona when we can't take visits, but kids can get in the car and at least drive to a city and drive around a campus and, and see things for themselves. And so um, I think for, you know, they've been a little mixed um, as far as the results go, but I think for Keetron Jackson, and I said this, you know, kind of when I teased it uh, last week, if he was to make that visit, it was going to be a big development for him. Um, you know, Texas is a school that he has always said that's his dream school. It's a school he always wanted. From what I understand, uh, you know, a lot uh, – his, his dad always is a big Texas fan. A lot around their house is burnt orange. So, um, you know, the problem was that they offered him later. He hadn't been to campus on a visit. And so th- those are really the things holding him back at this point in time. Um I went and saw Keytron on Sunday night after he got back from his visit. He was out practicing with the 7-on-7 team, and he was decked head-to-toe in burnt orange. Um, and even when I say head, his dreads are, uh, are dyed at the end, even burnt orange now. So I'm not sure if that was a new development or what, but um, I think Texas made a, a heck of a move in that recruitment. Previously, I had a crystal ball in for Arkansas. I felt like the Razorbacks were where he was leaning, but um, you know, as it comes down to it, as of right now, I really think Texas has made a major push. And if they can kind of keep on the gas pedal in that recruitment, I think that they can uh, maybe overtake it and land another talented receiver uh, for themselves. There's also some news we're still waiting on. Thought I, I thought actually it would probably be done by this point in time that I'm recording, but it, it you know hasn't been. But uh, Michael Mislinski, the offensive lineman from Bishop Kinney High School in Jacksonville, Florida, is set to make his decision this week. Um, You know, it's down to, from what it sounds like, Texas, Michigan State, and Iowa. And I thought this was going to be an easy 
easy one for Texas. Um, you know, uh, Ms. Linsky is his family, his family friends with Herb Hand. Texas is probably the better offer, he, the best offer he's got. And he does have family in that Austin area. But, um, you know, it, it sounds like he's really torn, really likes uh, Michigan State. It sounds like if I had to guess, I would say it comes down to those two. Although Iowa's certainly in the picture as well. So, um, you know, really when it comes down to it, I, I thought things would be done by now. Um, and, and, you know, it could be that we, we get, I get done recording this, I get off and, um, you know, and Ms. Linsky's announced his, his commitment date, but he told me it was going to be this week. We are, it is Thursday afternoon around 1 p.m. Central time as I record this. And, um, you know, I, I think for it to not be done as of now, uh, that, that really speaks to how much of a decision it is and how much going back and forth uh, there is in his mind. Um, and then, of course, the biggest news for, for Texas is uh, was getting Gunnar Helm, the uh, the tight end from Inglewood, Colorado, Cherry Creek. Uh, we're going to talk to Blair Angulo about this and, and see what kind of player Helm is. But just from the way it went down on the Texas side, it was kind of surprising from a number of angles. So the first angle is... Um, you know, what's really surprised me this year is the out-of-state guys. I think we said early in Corona, we expected these to be regional classes. And when we were talking to coaches, that was what they were saying to us, was that they expected these to be regional classes, simply because guys could, you know, couldn't take visits. And, you know, it was hard to see guys uh, from across the country committing to a school without being able to take a visit there. Uh, not only that, Texas has several out-of-state uh, guys in their class now. Casey Kane, the wide receiver from New Orleans. Uh, you know, Gunnar Helm joins the class. Jameer Johnson from California. So, um, you know, I think that, that they've capitalized on that despite it being something that we didn't necessarily see coming. I think the other thing is that the fact that Gunnar Helm was offered in, in early June um, and, and committed in late July. So, um, you know, so many times we talk about those late offers and how they hurt Texas. I can tell you that, you know, very soon after he was offered, it was mentioned to me, hey, there's there's some some real steam behind this one. Um, you know, I think Texas is, is putting themselves in a good position here. And, uh, you know, we talk about self-guided tours. Gunnar Helm took one of those, uh, I guess it was last week. And then, uh, you know, really that put it over the edge for, for Texas. I think that he was already kind of leaning that way, but getting to see Austin and look around the campus and uh, put his eyes on it, at least sealed the deal. So um, Texas is getting a, another tight end in this class. He is the, the third tight, true tight end to commit in this class. Fourth, if you if you want to count Juan Davis, who's an athlete. Uh, they've lost out on their other two. Lake McCree decommitted in, in early January or February. Uh, and then Landy King decommitted not, not long after he committed. So uh, this is the third time's a charm maybe for Jay Boulware and the Texas tight ends. Uh, for more on on Gunnar Helm and, and what he's like as a player. We're going to bring on our mountain region analyst, the guy who covers the state of Colorado, amongst many others. Uh, it is the great Blair Angulo. So please enjoy this conversation. And now joining me on this week's episode of the state of recruiting, it is our mountain regional analyst. He also covers the, uh, the Pacific islands. Uh, he is the great Blair Angulo. Blair, um, I guess I should also mention he is the host of the 24 seven re uh, recruiting podcast. And if you're not, if you guys are out there not listening to that podcast, you're really missing out on a ton of information. Blair, thanks for joining us and uh, give our listeners just the quick elevator pitch on why they should be subscribed to that podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, you know, obviously this is a very specific and, and very niche 
podcast, right? So we're covering recruiting across the country from coast to coast. We're bringing on the national analysts, whether it's Steve Wiltfong or Barton Simmons, uh, guys out West like Greg Biggins and Brandon Huffman. We go and talk to Brian Doan and Alan True and uh, everyone, Gabe Brooks, Andrew Ivins, the whole staff. It's a team effort. I'm, I'm kind of just the voice. Um, I'm kind of just the guy that leads it uh, and, and kind of dishes things out and tries to set a tone. You, you were on the, the podcast recently to talk about Texas. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool show for the recruiting fan that wants to know what's happening across the country. And I should also mention before we get into this, this is uh, for nobody but you and I, but I see the Liverpool flag uh, behind you. Of course, you and I are both Liverpool fans. So just want to congratulate you and, uh, and myself on a first league t- championship under the Premier League. Hey, man, I gave Brian Doan, <laughs> I gave Brian Doan a, a guard of honor, and I'm giving you one as well. Uh, it, it's been a long wait. You know, we were talking about it uh, on message a couple of weeks ago, and um, it, it's a bit tough to be a, a Liverpool fan uh, out west because obviously I'm watching the matches uh, you know sometimes it's eight sometimes it's nine hours oh difference boy. so I'm waking up at three thirty, four in the morning sometimes for some of those day games out in in the UK uh, but yeah it's it's been a, a, an obviously an amazing season an abbreviated one uh, given the fact that everything was was cut short for a bit but uh, definitely worth it at the end when they're able to lift the trophy and, and you know, kind of have a, a clean sweep dating back to last summer when they won the Champions League. Uh, I actually got to go to the uh, Estadio Metropolitano in Madrid to see Madrid's season opener. So it was the first match since the Champions League final. So it was pretty cool to be there. Uh, and then I was in England uh, last August. Didn't get to see Liverpool in action. Uh, unfortunately, they were at Southampton. But I, I did get to see uh, an Arsenal match, which was pretty cool, you know, as a neutral. So, yeah, I'm a big soccer guy, man. I, obviously, we, we are in the college football world. But I dive into these other sports that I'm not covering because it's kind of like an escape in a way, right? Yeah, we can just be fans the same way I am with hockey. Hockey starts back today. As we're and you're a Trevor this. Story fan. I see a lot of Trevor Story gifs and video. And, and you guys yeah. have some ties? Uh, he, he went to my high school. Yeah. yeah so, so and uh funny enough played on the select team of one of my best friends little brothers so i used to bully him when he'd come over to my buddy's house all the time and now he's he's him and i'm me so he's a baller man <laughs> i'm a i'm a huge baseball guy i played baseball my whole life so that's probably my number one sport and uh yeah it, it's it's obviously great to see baseball back on the tv as well yeah, he was one that literally, when we were going to my buddy's little brother's games, you could see it like nine or ten years old. This guy's different. Like, he hits home runs that look different in Little League. Yeah, so. you, know, you, you know, you know <laughs> the moment it happens when you're watching some of these kids play that they just have that it factor. And it's yeah. similarly to what we see in recruiting. I feel like it's helped me a lot having grown up and playing competitively. You, you get to see – uh, the guy that stands out on the field and the clear-cut four-star, right, or the clear-cut five-star, they're just built different. They act different. Uh, the the I don't want to call it ego, but I think maybe the aura that they have on the field where they're just super confident, you see it on the baseball diamond, you see it on the football field, you see it on the basketball court. Uh, you just know that some of these guys have the potential to go pro. 
Yeah, and that's what I, I want to transition that into a little Texas talk here. I mean, we're going to get to, to the big reason we brought you on, but, um, you know, you're beloved on our on our board because you typically bring good news from, from the West. And um, no bigger news than last year when, when Texas landed Bijan Robinson. Talk about a guy who uh, – I flew out to Tucson last year, went to South Point, and just – from the moment seeing him jog out in warm-ups, you know, that's a guy that you looked at and said, yeah, that guy moves different, is built different. How much – I mean, you, you got to see Bijan for, for his career. Obviously, we have really high expectations for him at Texas, but, you know, what do you think his overall impact can be there? I think this guy has the chance to be very special. I mean, I'm talking he's – he's one of the guys that's going to get an invite to the, to the Heisman ceremony. That's how highly I think of Bijan. You know, the last time you and I spoke on uh, via Zoom, via the, these meetings, was about you going out to Vegas and going out to Pylon Elite 7-on-7 seven seven National Championships. I got to see Bijan immediately after his freshman season. So this was a couple of months – after he had just completed his freshman year and he was playing for Tucson turf, which is one of the better seven on seven programs in the country and especially out West. And I, I saw him and I immediately went up to him and I asked him who he was because I had never seen him before, but he was dominating even though he, he was really young. So you, you get to see him uh, early on, at, you know, in the glimpse that he's able to show, but then on the field, uh, he's just super electric. Um, I think he's a threat to go uh, the, the whole way. Anytime he has the ball in his hands, he can score from anywhere on the field. He has such a great feel for everything. We got to see him one last time at the Polynesian Bowl in Hawaii in January, and he, he was definitely one of the two or three best players on the field every day in practice. And, you know, it's a very lax atmosphere. I hope you get to enjoy it this coming January or, or in the future. I hope you, we're able to take you around the island and get you some poke and some garlic shrimp and, 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 and some katsu across the street from St. Louis High School. I want you to experience it, but the practices are very lax. Guys are wearing sunglasses. They're wearing bucket hats. Uh, you know, the coaches are out in flip-flops. It's not intense. But Bijan Robinson – well, he was not lax. You know, he was not, he was not taking it uh, soup like a vacation. This guy was out there getting better every day and, and trying to prove that he was the top running back in the country. And, and I, you know, we have a feature on 24 seven sports where we peg our five stars. So we, we rank one through 32. And I remember I had B. John Robinson in the twenties really early on, despite the fact that he was lower ranked in, in our rankings, about 40 to 50 mark. And I kept making a push and saying, Hey guys, this, this is a five-star prospect. I've seen running backs. I've seen what they're, you know, what they look like and, and what the, the potential could be. And, and he has as much upside as I've seen out of any prospect at that position out West. A lot of coaches that I spoke to in the PAC 12 were comparing him to Reggie Bush. So I, I know Texas fans will, will, will like to hear that obviously having beaten Reggie Bush in that Rose bowl. Um, but if, if they get the next Reggie Bush, um, I think Texas fans will be very, very happy. Absolutely. And you combo all that, all that skill with what a tremendous person he is to character, work ethic, all those things. I think that's a really easy early eval to make. Just, just an awesome kid. And, and I remember you, you talk about the, the good news, right? The, the guy that goes onto the message board 
uh, over at Horns 24-7 and, and, and why I'm so beloved, I guess, by the Texas <laughs> fans. Well, when I was in discussions with him and breaking things down after he had decommitted from Ohio State, you know, it wasn't the place that he wanted to be ultimately. I think he rushed into that decision early on. But he told me, you know, even the, the fact that he had official visits to take still, he, he didn't feel right being a, a committed prospect and going out to take some of those visits. So the fact that he shut things down even before he was able to go and, and take some of the last looks at some of the schools, I think it really speaks to his character because a lot of other prospects, especially a five-star caliber player, a guy that is as elite as he is as a recruit, would have taken that opportunity to go out. But it, it, it really spoke to just his character and, and who he is. Well, Texas struck again in the mountain region this week with getting Gunnar Helm from Inglewood, uh, Colorado, Cherry Creek High School. First of all, um, I don't know much about Colorado football. What kind of program is Cherry Creek? It looks like it, it may be one of the better ones in the state. And what can you tell us about Gunnar as a player? Yeah, Cherry Creek perennially one of the top programs in the state of Colorado. They, they captured a state championship last year. They, they have recruits across the board, you know, whether that's uh, along the offensive line, they had a, a couple guys go to Nebraska recently. Uh, they are producing talent and they are one of the factories in the state of Colorado. The competition level isn't that great, right? It, it, when you look at the West coast, particularly you think of California uh, then you think of Utah having some good football. Arizona has really, really good football. And, and obviously we've seen a rise in, in the number of recruits. Colorado is, is mid-tier, mid-level. Uh, but I, I think Gunner has been able to do what he's supposed to at that level, given his skill set. I really like what he's able to do across the, the middle of the field. He can, he can box out defenders for possession. Uh, a thing that I look for with tight ends specifically is, is how good of a pass catch you are right because some of these guys have outgrown uh the receiver position uh and they're not quite as big as maybe an offensive lineman would be at the high school level so they're big kids but can they catch can they move fluidly and and i like what i've seen out of gunner you know he doesn't catch the ball with it with his body he, he catches it away from his body he has good hand-eye coordination i like what he's able to do near the goal line he's uh pretty athletic we actually got to see him in mission viejo california in in late january early february during the under armor camp series and he was he, he looked like one of the better route runners at that position in in the region so i think texas is getting a guy very similar and and, and i brought this up on the board to to brayden Lybrock in in that regard not a finished product by any means but I like what he's able to do. He's athletic. He can go up the seam. He can create separation at times. Uh, and he's a really good pass catcher. So um, I know Texas entered the picture pretty late, but it's a, it's a significant recruiting win given the fact that they beat out schools like Wisconsin, Iowa. I know UCLA had offered very early on. Those were probably the schools that were, you know, in the conversation for the most part with, with, with Helm and for the Longhorns to jump in with an offer early June and then get him to go out and, and check things out on a self-guided visit. Um, I, I really like that pickup for the Longhorns. Texas also has an offer out to his teammate, Arden Walker, defensive lineman there, Cherry Creek. Um, obviously, they've got a lot of irons in the fire on defensive line, but where do you think things are with him right now? I do think Texas is, is in that one or two, maybe three mix for him. Uh, I've heard that they could possibly lead, and I have a crystal ball pick in for the Longhorns. Uh, the confidence level isn't high because I do – 
I do think that UCLA is heavily involved. I know his mother is a school teacher, so she's really big on the education. And I know UCLA has been pushing that for him. Uh, it's a school that he wants to go out. So I, I would look very closely and keep tabs on UCLA when it comes to Arden Walker. But I know he loves Texas. I know he, he loves the, the relationship he's still starting to build with the staff. And when I caught up with Gunnar Helm recently, he did say that they have talked about playing together at the next level. So obviously Gunnar is the first one to come off the board and, and that could sweeten the deal for a player like Arden Walker, uh, who, who, who is trying to build some of these relationships with coaches and, and really get a comfort level for some of these schools. Um, I, I think he is enticed by, by the, by the amount of playing time he would get early on. He, he's a player that isn't, um, I don't know if he needs a lot of time to get refined. I, I like where he at, where he's at physically. He's, he's pretty quick for his size. He's agile out of his stance. Uh, he's got a really good arsenal of pass rush moves. I, I got to see him out in Phoenix at the camp in, in February. Uh, so this is a player that could, you know, make a, an impact maybe in year one or, or early in year two of his college career. So I think he sees that as an opportunity at Texas as well. All right, last question before we uh, let you get out of here, Blair. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. When I went out to, to Tucson last year, I met Jonah Miller as well when he was out there. Seemed like a guy that was very interested in Texas, and I think, you know, had visits gone differently this year, he probably would have got out to Austin, and maybe that would have been different. Um, Texas fans out there are wondering, any chance that, that Jonah might still look around, or is he pretty locked into that Oregon commit? All right, I'm going to step up to the spot like James Milner and, and I'm going to ice in my veins. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that there's a shot. Um, you know, I know he wanted to take visits and I know he, that was the desire for him to go out and, and check out some of the schools. And obviously having Bijan in Austin is a huge, uh, a huge thing that he considers as a plus for Texas. But the fact that he committed to Oregon when he did, uh, as spots started to fill up along that offensive line. I mean, you think of, of Oregon right now and what they're doing on the recruiting trail. They have the number three recruiting class in the country nationally. And along the offensive line, they have not only Jonah Miller, but a, another four-star offensive lineman from the state of Texas in Bram Walden, who's at Saguaro, which obviously is, is a school that Texas has been recruiting pretty heavily. And, and then they have Jackson Light, the number one center out of the state of Utah. And then they also lead right now for Kingsley Suamataia, who's the number one rated offensive lineman out west uh so i think he, he saw the numbers and he's and he knew that that's where he wanted to be so i think he came off the board when he had to um so i don't know i, I just don't see him especially after oregon just produced the outland trophy winner in Panay Sewell as a sophomore and, and he's getting a lot of buzz as a top five nfl draft pick uh you know oregon has a good thing going there at offensive line and, and right now i think they are able to just pick and choose and Jonah Miller, I think, is pretty solid with the Ducks. That is the great Blair Angulo. Please go subscribe to the 24-7 Sports Recruiting Podcast. You can get more great insights like that. Blair, thanks for joining us today, man. All right, Mike. Enjoy it. Enjoy the victory. Enjoy the couple weeks until we get ready for the next season. And, and don't watch any of that Champions League stuff. I don't think it matters this year. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, man. We hope you're enjoying this episode of The State of Recruiting. We'll be back with this interview after a brief word from our sponsors. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We appreciate Blair and Gulo for coming on and uh, giving us a little update from the Mountain Region and talking New Texas Commit Gunner Helm. All right, now we're going to move on to the mailbag. Uh, as always, get your questions in on the Hornish 24-7 message board when we put the thread up. Or uh, go ahead and drop them into our iTunes reviews. Five-star review uh, with a question gets answered. Our first question comes to us from uh, Stingle 87 Where does Texas stand with the big uglies up front, in-state and out-of-state, uh, since they've lost out or taken a back seat on the Brockermeyers? Um, I, okay, so I always have to catch myself on this because it feels like I write the same stuff over and over again. Um, and so, like, when I say I've talked about this a lot, I've got to remember that we've got podcasts and uh, chats and articles and all sorts of things so that, that not everybody sees everything. So I feel like I've laid this out um, as well as I can. Uh, Texas is kind of resetting up front. Obviously, Ms. Linsky is part of that that puzzle. Um, and then really after that, they're kind of looking for tackle bodies. A guy we mentioned is Ryan Lingell uh, from, from Dallas Jesuit, a, a lowly rated prospect at offensive tackle who Texas is kind of looking at as, as maybe a guy that they can coach up and, and turn into a prospect. Um, he's actually taking a self-guided tour this weekend um, and, and will be down in Austin uh, for to see everything for himself. Outside of that, Really, not a lot going on. It's it's one of the more frustrating uh, positions to to cover there. Um, all right, uh, from JF one zero three five seven. I noticed some talk on Iowa's blog that Texas was still in the mix for Thomas Fedone. Um, I know it's a long shot, but would we even take him with two tight ends in the class already, or is he just that good that they would make room? I think Texas would actually probably make room. Um, I think that. Uh, I think that. If you look at Juan Davis as a guy that you can forecast to a couple of different positions, if they could get Fidel, which I don't believe they can. I mean, I think that they're kind of hanging around at least being mentioned, but I don't see them as a serious contender. But if you can get Fidel, I think he is definitely a guy that, that you would have to take. He is that good. Uh, from St. Miller 3, predict the 22-0 line of wide receiver class. I mean, you guys know I hate predicting stuff this early. Like, it's there's no, I mean, I can do it and, and I'll throw out some names for you, but there's no rhyme or reason to it. And, you know, it's reading them this far ahead of time is, is nearly impossible. Uh, on the offensive line, I, I like where Texas stands with Cole Hudson and Devon Campbell. I think Texas can, can make some ground with, uh, or make some hay with, uh, Kelvin Banks. I think they're behind on Cam Dewberry. Those are, I guess, the three offensive linemen I would say, Banks, um, 
Devon Campbell and, and Cole Hudson are the guys I really like where they stand with right now. At wide receiver, um, they've got some work to do with Caleb Burton. The guy I probably feel best about with is, is Evan Stewart right now uh, with Texas. So but I think that would that would probably be a guy I'd throw in there. Uh, from Hook'em Bloodstein, two questions. Uh, which team has a better chance of a deep playoff or a Knicks Heat or Mike Stars? Um, and is it true that Texas is using Brand as a recruiting pitch? I read on Twitter they've been using that on Keytron. Is it working with him on others? I know in a couple of years players can get paid for their likeness. Yeah, so again, that's something I've written a lot of. Um, uh, Texas is using that as a recruiting pitch. I've talked about it with a number of guys. Um, there was a guy, I'm trying to think who it was, just off the top of my head that I talked to at that UC camp we were at about. Uh, it was Deshaun McCullough. Uh, Deshaun McCullough, Texas, was, re- was really working on him. And it, it kind of just depends on the kid. And, um, you know, you ask him and, and certain kids have certain answers. But, yeah, it is a it is a big pitch. The name, image, likeness with Texas's brand rec- uh, you know, recognition nationwide, I think that they can pitch that as a, as a new thing for, for kids uh, that could get make money off that name, image, likeness. Uh, for, as far as the, the general question, I know nothing about the Heat. I don't know what their, their prospects are this year. We're hoping the Stars make a deep run, so I'm going to say Stars. Uh, but, yeah, uh, as far as the brand, it's a, it is a big pitch. Um, Texas is really good at, at – at, uh, if you've seen on Twitter, they've been drawing out some – some graphics to show it, uh, you know, the, the way they market brand and, um, and the way they market your social media and stuff like that, and the opportunities you have because of the Texas brand. And I do think it's going to be an interesting component of, of recruiting. Um, from Din12, I just wanted to say I'm grateful that uh, Mike Roach is here. Thank you very much. Uh, you've been doing tremendous at not only giving us recruiting tidbits, but also an excellent role model. I wouldn't go that far, but but thank you for the kind words. Uh is there is this the most realistic recruiting plan for getting wide receivers and defensive linemen in the 2021 class? So defensive line is listed Albert Regis, Ike Iwana, Shamar Turner, and uh, Arden Walker, taking two of four, maybe three. I think that's actually probably a very realistic uh, thing. And you got to remember, numbers are, are starting to get tight. We're, we're talking about 15 kids in the class, maybe 10. If you stretch it, maybe 12 guys can fit w- within this class still. Um but, yeah, numbers are getting tight. I think Regis, I think Turner's a guy they're obviously going to wait on, and I think they'd take one of Iwana or, or Arden Walker. Uh, at receiver, Keetron Jackson, Jaden Alexis, J.J. Henry, Dekel Crowdis, Michael Johnson Jr. Uh, taking three of five listed. Yeah, I think they, they would take three depending on who they get. I think Alexis is a guy that could play outside or he could play inside. So, um, you know, if they could get Alexis and, you know, an outside guy like Katron Jackson or Michael Johnson, or I'm sorry, it's Malcolm Johnson, um, I think that they would take those guys. I think that if they don't get a guy like Alexis or a guy that could play purely inside, you know, then they're on to Henry and Crowdis. It's It's really just – it's going to be fluid down the stretch as they kind of juggle numbers and see where they can go extra at, uh, at positions. Uh, from Hornsfan7612, what was SMU pitching to Savian Bird that Texas wasn't? Uh, if he isn't closing in on a decision, does Texas still have an opportunity to get back into the driver's seat? It's not so much a pitch of, hey, this is better than the other. I mean, it's just they do pitch the hometown hero thing very well, um, staying home, representing Dallas, uh, having – Rashad Samples there is a big deal. Um, Savian Bird's head coach is Rashad's dad, Reggie Samples. So um, as we saw at Texas when, when Rashad was here, um, you know, it, it was a different type of, of way to recruit Duncanville. You know, I think that 
Um, this would be a very different question for Shad Samples was still here. Um, I don't know that he's closing in on a decision. I talked to somebody at Duncanville last night that said him and his family are kind of taking a break from recruiting because uh, it's just getting very overwhelming for him. Um, I think Texas is in there. I don't think they're in a great position, but I think that as long as this goes on, maybe they can figure out a way to get back into it in the fall. Um, from Horns Fan 7612 again, why has Texas had a bad record of recruiting North Shore kids? Uh, Caleb on Chase on Zach Evans and Shadrick Banks are the, are the names you pull up. It's interesting because before that, most North Shore kids just went to Texas. I mean, it's just, just the way it was. I don't know that I can blanket say these three kids were all the same, right? Like Caleb on Chase on was basically a commit when Charlie Strong was the coach. When Tom Herman took over, he basically like was a silent commit uh, to Tom Herman all the way up to signing day and then flips to LSU in at the last minute in one of the crazier recruitments I can remember. Um, Zach Evans, that's just a different animal of a recruitment. I don't know that I can say that, A, he's a North Shore kid or, or anything like that. It's just that was a, a completely different recruitment. And then Shattered Banks, for, for whatever reason, Texas just never really connected there. Uh, from anonymous five three seven six six seven nine, any changes in the Keytron Jackson situation? I, I addressed, I think, everything with Keytron in the first segment of the show. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if there's anything new. Obviously, we'll be on top of it, and uh, we'll let you guys know. Uh, from Space Case 512, I know this has been discussed a bunch on the board, but I'm hoping to get a better understanding of what the staff sees in Ms. Linsky, who ranks 133rd in Florida over a guy like Ezra Oyatate, number 62 in Texas. I don't doubt the eval, but I'm curious because it seems uh, antithetical to past strategy of taking in-state players over out-of-state, unless there's a huge talent disparity. Any idea what traits Michael has that the staff holds in a high regard than the in-state kids? You know, I I don't, and I haven't talked to anybody about it. Um, I just, I think that they they feel familiarity because I think, frankly, Herb Hand is, you know, he's close with that family, um, and and there's a familiarity there. And so um, that's somebody they know, and they don't have to get, you know, spend time getting to know. Um, I I do think they're still talking to Ezra, but, um, man, as the days go on, it, it gets harder and harder to to probably reel that commitment in if they were to offer. I think that for whatever reason, sometimes you just got to make a decision between two guys, and for better or for worse, Texas has made the decision on Ms. Linsky right now. Uh, from QDog90, uh, Mike, if Texas is only looking for tattle, tackle bodies, why are they recruiting Bryce Foster? Why not take a commitment from both Ms. Linsky and Ezra Oyutati and move one of them to guard? Seems like that's more attainable than securing a commit from Foster. Um so here again is what like where, where lies like a, a problem with um, communicating over so many mediums. Um, Texas is looking for tackle bodies outside of the guys they are recruiting inside. So um, I don't think you can look at it and say why are they still recruiting Bryce Foster? They're looking at them because they're counting maybe Foster or somebody else towards the guard. I would also think that they would, I think they're probably counting Hayden Connor towards the interior as well. I think they maybe see him as an interior guy. Um, but Bryce Foster is really too good of a talent. When it comes down to Mislinski and Ezra, you know, I think really there, you're talking about two guys for one spot, maybe your last center spot, or maybe, um, you know, Maybe those guys can play guard, but the problem is, is I think Mislinski is pretty short, six two maybe, um, 
and I think that that really only plays at center. I don't have a real grasp for for Ezra's size because, uh, you know, we just haven't been able to get out and, and go see as much as we normally would in a, in a given year. But I, I don't think that those guys are necessarily always interchangeable. Um, I think Ezra might be, but I'm not sure Mislinski is. So, you know, like I said above, for better or for worse, they've made the decision on, on Michael Mislinski. Um, and from Earl Thomas 12, our last question, how does Kamar Wheaton compare to Bijan Robinson? Uh, very different packs. I think that Kamar Wheaton has game-changing speed. Um, I mean, he is a, a different gear than a lot of guys I've ever seen. Uh, I think Bijan probably has a more natural feel, uh, probably better balance, better feet, that kind of thing. He's probably got the more natural skills at the position. Those are how the two stack up to me. I think I would probably compare Kamar Wheaton to... I've always kind of compared him to, to Neil Carter, but way faster. I mean, just just... There is breathtaking ability uh, from from Wheaton when he hits the open field. And, um, you know, I think that there are some things in this game that I would love to see him work on and improve, but you can't teach or replace that speed. All right, that's going to do it for the mailbag, and that's going to do it for the show. Um, and that's also going to do it for, for me for a week. Uh, you guys are not going to hear from me for a week. I'm going on vacation uh, basically as soon as the show posts. So... Uh, we will not have any shows next week. We'll be back the week after um, unless something big happens. I guess I'd have to break in with an emergency podcast. But um, as of right now, uh, there will be uh, no show next week. So we, we want to thank you guys so much for, for listening and engaging in what you do. Um, we want to thank you for, for coming on to the show and, and contributing your questions and, and uh, you know spreading the word around. Spread it around. Get it to your friends. Let them know if they want to hear a great Texas recruiting podcast. This is the place to be. Uh, for everybody at Horns 24-7, usually Nick Harris, who is not here again. I'm Mike Roach, and we will see you guys in two weeks. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.